Welcome to California Groundbreakers, which focuses on the place that starts trends, starts movements, and shakes up how things are done nationwide and around the world. We're inviting interesting people doing innovative things to sit down and talk with us about how they're asking and answering the big questions facing all Californians. Our goal is to inspire change across the state, one conversation at a time. We've created a podcast series called This Changes Everything, which focuses on what California will look like in the post-pandemic future. We're talking with California groundbreakers about how they see the Golden State changing for the better or for the worse, or still to be determined, as we move out of shutdown. If you like what you hear, please help us continue by making a podcast creation donation. Click on the Support Us link on our SoundCloud podcast page or on the Donate tab of our website, californiagroundbreakers.org. It has been 16 months since our lives changed quickly and dramatically, especially when it came to travel. Airplane travel, for example, dropped 95% from over 2 million daily U.S. travelers in March 2020 to less than 100,000 per day in a matter of weeks. Those numbers have since climbed back up, but there's still plenty we don't know about how the pandemic and the new variants of the coronavirus will play out, either here in California or overseas. And those big unknowns are still dramatically shaping the future of travel, from why we travel to where we go and what risks we're willing to take to get there. Join us as we talk with two California-based travel experts who have been on the road this year to get a sense of what travel in the Golden State is shaping up to be like. Julia Cosgrove is the Vice President and Editor-in-Chief of Afar Media, and Hugh Garvey is Editor-in-Chief of Sunset Publishing. They'll tell us what to expect for local, domestic, and international travel, what's quickly going back to normal, what may be changing permanently, and what's yet still to be determined. Hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa Richardson. I'm Executive Director of California Groundbreakers, and thank you for tuning in today. So, as Dr. Seuss famously wrote, oh, the places you'll go. But even after California is reopening up for the pandemic, how many places can we go to and are we willing to go to right now? After all, it has been nearly 16 months since the pandemic caused us all to start sheltering in place. And there are still many countries where we're not allowed in now, like Canada, and many countries where the U.S. isn't allowing anyone from to visit us. So it's still weird times for travel. That being said, we are getting in our cars, campers, and RVs to go on road trips. More of us are getting into airplanes for domestic travel and even sitting in the middle seat. And if you do feel like going overseas, some favorite destinations like Spain, France, and Greece are welcoming us, at least the vaccinated ones among us, with open arms. But what has changed with travel since March 2020? How will things change permanently when it comes to how and where we visit? And what is quickly going back to pre-pandemic travel style, for better and for worse? I thought that just as travel experts predict the 4th of July holiday break to be an especially busy travel period, this would be an excellent time to explore the topic. So the two people I invited on here to talk with me about all things travel are leaders of two of the best travel and lifestyle publications around, which were started here in California, obviously, since it's one of the world's best places to travel around in and live in. So let me welcome first Julia Cosgrove, Vice President and Editor-in-Chief of Afar Media, which focuses on experiential travel around the world in its print magazine, its website, and podcast. And Julia is coming up on her 10th year as Editor-in-Chief, so she's obviously seen a lot of changes in travel over that time, and congratulations, Julia, on that. 
Thank you. And I should note that the two editors uh, were recently on or are currently on vacation. Julia, I think you just came back from vacation. Where did you Where did you go? Yeah, I did. Um, I went to Mendocino and Healdsburg, mm. which are both short drives from my home in the Bay Area. Very nice. Okay, so we got you nice and refreshed. And we also have Hugh Garvey. He is editor-in-chief of Sunset Publishing. Also headquartered here in California, got its start here uh, back in 1898 and has covered travel and lifestyle in the Western United States, obviously for more than a century. So Hugh took over as editor-in-chief back in November. Not the best time for traveling anywhere, but I just saw his note on social media that Sunset is bringing back its annual travel awards. So heads up if you want to nominate your favorite hotels, restaurants, wineries, activities, and more across the West. The deadline for that is July 16th. Uh, so welcome, Hugh. Thank you. Great to be here. And you're on vacation right now, or for work? Where are you? Yes, I am. I I am on vacation. I'm in Santa Cruz. I was just in Sonoma County over the weekend, and prior to that, in Napa for work. All right. Well, thank you both for coming, and thank you for taking time from vacation or getting back uh, to work uh, to join us. So obviously, it's a good sign. If you two are taking a vacation, that's a good sign that travel is is getting back and we're starting to get out of the house and on the road, maybe on planes to some extent, after 15 months of being in a pandemic. So I wanted to start uh, with my first question about that. This past 15 months, uh, just crazy times, how that has changed travel. Um, so just a general question for you about what you have been seeing, hearing, experiencing yourself in terms of people's thoughts uh, and preferences for travel right now and how you think that will impact travel going forward? I mean, I have specific questions, obviously, but I just wanted to get your general sense of how this 15 months has changed travel and people's thoughts and feelings about travel. Uh, Julia, let me start with you. Sure. You know, I think um, there was a really beautiful essay that the writer uh, Arundhati Roy published when we were still back in the very early days of the pandemic. And in it, she she said much more eloquently than I will, that if we don't use this time to sort of rethink all of the things we do and the ways we live our life, and, and for afar readers and for myself, travel's a big part of my life, um, it, it would be a missed opportunity. And so how, how we at afar spent the time, you know, once we sort of realized, oh, we're in this for a while, this is not going to be a quick recovery, was really rethinking and and sort of tweaking our mission around how to make travels come back more sustainable, healthier for the planet, healthier for local communities that are impacted by travel, and for travelers themselves. And so we're, we're doubling down on our credo that travel is a force for good, that travel can be a force for good, and that travel should be a force for good. So I think of this time as a really kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to fix some of the things that were broken before. Um, we can get into over-tourism later. I'm sure we will. But um, also rethinking hospitality and how service industries work and what it means to be a good traveler and how, yes, it's important to be a good host, but it's also very important to be a good guest. So some of those are some of the themes that we've been um, thinking through in the last 18 months. Hugh, what are your thoughts? 
Um, I, you know, at sunset, we similarly are uh, pivoting toward a more mindful way of looking at everything from travel to gardening to home design, um, looking at sustainability, um, looking at um, how we can be custodians of what we experience um, on, on all fronts. Um, and I think, you know, this has been um, a, you know, incredibly challenging, but super illuminating period. Um, and, you know, I've, in the past year plus, I've probably taken about, you know, 10 to 12 road trips up and down California into the desert, wine country along the coast, and um, have sort of been my own guinea pig in terms of, you know, playing sort of um, advocate for a traveler, you know, method editing, as, as I call it, you know, really just throwing yourself into the story and putting yourself in the shoes and behind the wheel of the cars of your readers. And increasingly, it is that sort of, we're, we're in the sort of baby step toward a I, I hope a new way of looking at travel. And I'm, I'm hearing this from a lot of people. I'm seeing and feeling um, a lot of gratitude on the ground to be back on the road for, uh, for hospitality workers, to be back at work, serving people, helping people, um, to be employing people, um, to be feeding people again. And I, I just said the first sort of official trip I took with anyone in my family while I've been on the road for work, um, the, I would say that the most sort of remarkable travel moment for me to both be a participant in and an observer of was when I took a very nearby overnight camping trip. Um, like so many people over the pandemic camping and, and so many people at sunset, so many readers in particular, um, you know, they're interested in the great outdoors as part of, you know, the Western experience and the Western travel experience. So I, I did, I did that with my son, my teenage son, and we went to the, the closest campsite we could for an overnight and booked it. And I remember, uh, and I wrote about this actually in the magazine, um, waking up in the morning to the sights of faces of travelers who hadn't traveled in months, if not a year. And the, the joy and bliss of being outside with no walls separating us, you know, our hair tousled from a, you know, a mediocre night's sleep in the, in the nearby wild. And I saw it for the first time that how kind of communal travel is and and like and and how um i think there's something this the, the we're in this together um is a moment that i'm savoring and hope that we can all savor together and um and build off of so it's not simply all of us in our little pods ignoring each other going into our suites closing the door sitting on the patio away from everyone so to me that's sort of the zeitgeist that I'm observing. And um, that to me is just the moment where we're at. And it's sort of exhilarating. That's great. And that ties into my next question about what does travel look like on the ground, specifically here in California? I should mention our previous episode that we did before this one was on uh, outdoors and rec. And we interviewed the head of uh, California State Parks and the Yosemite, uh, the superintendent of Yosemite National Park. And they're getting a lot of uh, people coming in uh, for good and, and for for not so great. Uh, but I was wondering, I'm going to start with you on this. Where are you see, seeing people going in California? You know, obviously outdoors, camping is a big deal. Um, so is camping out now cooler than, say, staying at the Ritz-Carlton? Uh, do people want to go to big attractions like Disneyland? Maybe not so much. What trends are you seeing here in the state? Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing and 
hearing a lot of, of nearby travel, similar to what I so what I expressed, but I, with a slightly broader range. I'm hearing uh, drive 200 miles or closer is kind of a term I keep hearing from people in the hospitality industry, and that's the bookings that they're seeing. Um, and uh, in terms of um, whether it's a hotel or whether it's camping, um, I you know is is camping cooler than staying at the Ritz Carlton? It's it's funny having both have done having done literally both you know in the past in the past year. Um, they both you know absolutely have their benefits, and I've, I'm seeing um, a, a, a resurgence on the ground having just stayed at a a, a lovely uh, luxury property just just yesterday. Um, that they're booked out 100% capacity, right? Um, that they are booked out you know 90% capacity through the summer. They're seeing a lot of spontaneous trips, which is also something um, that I'm, I'm observing, hearing, um, feeling myself. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to go in August, but I'm going to go somewhere. And it's very rare that I haven't planned my August at this point. And last minute bookings are a big part of the hotel, same day often, or 24 hours out. Um, so there is this spontaneity that I think comes from the those who are fortunate to have a flexible schedule or a choice of where from where to work, I think that's driving a lot of how people are vacationing in the near term. Um, I'm hearing, and Julia, you might, you know, I'm sure you have a lot more to say about this, but I'm hearing a lot of people holding off on their um, their international trips until next year, but they are maximizing the nearby, the California, uh, for you know, for the kind of the next quarter or so. Yeah, I'm going to ask about global travel a little later, but Julia, what what are your thoughts here? Are people staying local, hyper micro local, and state local? Yeah, I know. I know that the state tourism board um, visit California. That that we were in touch with them, um, and we have been in touch with them for for the whole pandemic. They sort of projected the same things that we did, which is that people would start to tiptoe out sort of in concentric circles from home. I, so I stayed at the Ritz-Carlton San Francisco, I guess the week before last overnight. And I mean, like you, you, I, it feels so important to do both, um, to, to be a guinea pig as an editor, you know, sort of sussing out what the traveler's experience is going to be in a city hotel. Um, and I also went glamping the, the following weekend in Mendocino. And again, you know, I, we arrived at in Mendocino on a Wednesday night, and I assumed we'd find a place to eat. I had my kids with me. It was packed. There was no place to park in the, in the town. Um, my assumption is that a lot of, of, visitors had come, you know, via car a couple of hours away, escaping the heat from Sacramento. But in the Ritz, it was, it was a different crowd. There were people, I talked to people who'd come in from Napa, someone else had come in from India that, or Singapore that morning. So I think you're starting to see sort of the intrepid early adopter international travel happening more and more. Um, just, you know, as a, a sample size, our editors and, and creative directors, they're already out exploring as far as they can be. I think it depends on, on risk tolerance. If you have kids who haven't been vaccinated, I think there's more hesitance there. Certainly, I feel that. Uh, but I also feel like a nice city stay by myself is 
probably the best thing for me right now. (laughs) And I do think that our cities are going to need our support in the coming months. Um, I know that New York, I've been talking to a lot of people there and it's popping you know, the the sort of parklets and the outside dining that looks like it's here to stay in a lot of cities. In New York, everything is just, everybody's out. And I don't feel that quite yet in San Francisco. So I do feel this sort of, again, thinking about how to be a good traveler, you know, it's it's voting with your purse, it's traveling with your wallet and going to those places that you maybe haven't been to in a while that could really use, could use the, the tourism's, you know, support, could use travelers coming back. So for those of us Californians like me who are uh, like, all right, I want to get on the road, even a plane. Um, I'm wondering what you would tell us to prepare for and be prepared for when it comes to shortages, because it seems like there's shortages of everything right now because of the pandemic. Uh, One thing I keep reading about is rental cars. They're just, uh, they're hard to get and they're expensive to get. Uh, Labor uh, shortages and staffing issues, I'm assuming are hitting the hospitality industry. So what do we need to know? What do we need to prepare for about uh, how our travel plans will be affected by by these kind of shortages? Uh, Julia, how about you start first? Yeah, I mean, I think that travelers really need to, and and I should say I am not a great planner ordinarily, but this is the time, this is the summer, this is the fall to over-prepare, to make those bookings and reservations well in advance. Um, Depending on sort of the, the length and depth of your trip, it might not be a bad idea to work with a travel advisor. Uh, we definitely recommend that for international travel right now because there are so many rules, they're changing all the time. It's tough as a as somebody who's not in the industry to sort of stay on top of it and make sure that you know, you, you're armed with everything you can be to, to have the best experience you can have. I would also just plead with people to be patient. Uh, you know, I've seen these viral videos of people on planes and in airports just losing their minds and treating people who are working to serve them just horribly. Uh, and so that fills me with just sadness because I, you know, like you, I really do feel like, gosh, we have this opportunity to come out of this with more of a sense of gratitude and with less artifice. And I just, I see those videos and I just cringe, but I, but I have observed like at Zuni Cafe in San Francisco, you know, everybody, every guest there was following their preferred kind of mask protocols. This was before June 15th. And we had a server who just said, I'm just so glad to be doing my job. And um, so I think as, as guests, as travelers, do your part and be kind and patient and know that actually sometimes great things happen when travel goes a little bit uh, awry (laughs) because, but, but prep as best you can to, to avoid any mishaps that you have control over, I'd say. A question, I'm going to start with you, Hugh, on this, uh, because you both had mentioned in terms of like what travel looks for, uh, what is travel will look like more of sustainable, uh, more conscious of, of surroundings. And so I wanted to ask, are there certain styles of trips that people are preferring to take now or 
or will be, um, you know, obviously we we have had ecotourism uh, as something in the past uh, that's been popular. I'm wondering if that's going to be even more so agritourism, uh, more engaging in local community um, kind of experiences, wellness, uh, traveling with the family. Hugh, what are you what are you seeing now, especially in California and the West? What kind of trips specifically do you think are are going to be more popular? Um, and people will do more of? I think um, hybrid trips, trips that are not strictly linear, um, nor are they format um, format specific or, or overly overly format um, attached. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, I think we saw, uh, we saw just sprinter vans, um, rooftop tents, and every other sort of newbie camping um, convenience uh, product sell out um, as people hit the road, both um, to get out um, in a safe way into the open air and to get that, 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 that healing nature when, when, when they could. Um, so these were a lot of new campers, right? And these were people who got their first taste of camping, clamping um, uh, during the pandemic. Um, and I think they've, they, they've learned uh, the benefits of, of working that into something that otherwise would possibly be a hotel only or um, you know, Airbnb uh, uh, lodging uh, trip. So um, I know that you know, in the spirit of this improvisation and shortages, both in terms of um, rooms to rent uh, and restaurants to go to, that I absolutely um, uh, there was a moment on this trip when I considered uh, I, I, I sort of regretted that I didn't have my rooftop tent. Um, you know, because I was like, I, if I felt like camping or if there'd been sort of an issue with a hotel, um, I would have that kind of extra superpower that a lot of people gained over this past year. And, um, and I really realized that you can go from hotel to say an Airbnb to a camping experience and that these are not exclusive of each other. Um, and so I think that that's something that, that I'm seeing, I'm absolutely staying at hotels where people have rooftop tents or sprinter vans more than more than I've ever seen before while I've been on a road trip. So to me, I think it's sort of a, a hybrid, um, sort of a buffet-like uh, vacation. And then, you know, throw on top of that a little working from hotel. So I think there's a, a very loose... Uh, the trips are getting loosely defined, so they 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 are they're sort of a blurred by category or type. Um, so that to me is, I think, really exciting too. I like that. Though we can't have food buffets, but we can have travel buffets still. <laughs> that's 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 good to hear. And Julia, same question for you. And and now we're going to start going into like a you know beyond the Western U.S. national and even global. What type of trips are you seeing uh, appealing to people? You know, Californians around around here? What are they into? Yeah. You know, I think because many people from California, you know, I think we were one of the, certainly one of the stricter states during the pandemic. And thankfully, we're also one of the more vaccinated states. I think because of that, you know, a lot of people have been cooped up for a long time. And so, yes, I think the great outdoors, I was in Yosemite a couple of uh, weekends ago. Yes, again, you go through the extra step, you make the reservation. But I actually think, I mean, certainly my family had the, the best experience when we went to Hetch Hetchy, which is just a, a lesser visited spot and, you know, outside of the valley. I think that people, certainly Afar readers, 
are, are always looking for those sort of less touristed, less overcrowded places. And sometimes that's in an, an on the beaten path destination. Sometimes that's not in an on the beaten path destination. Uh, so I think that trend will continue apace. And I think, frankly, it's the it's kind of going to be the only way to travel. If if you are a traveler who is concerned with um, travel's impact on the world, which frankly should be all of us. And I think that people will also be, you know, very interested in supporting those kind of mom and pop small businesses, uh, supporting LGBTQ owned businesses, black businesses, um, you know, We've we've had a lot of of change, a lot of time to sort of reckon with a lot of big, thorny, long overdue issues in this country. And I think our readership, you know, they're interested in going to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and learning about Greenwood. They're interested in going to the South and learning about the Black experience in the South, both historically and present day further afield, you know, they want to go to Uzbekistan, they want to go to Georgia, they, uh, the country and the state, but more the country perhaps right now. Um, so they're, they're planning those bigger trips. Some people are already going on them. They're going to France and Italy and Greece this summer. Others are waiting, uh, to just sort of see how things shake out. And I think there also is this, this through line about, yes, Americans, you know, are vaccinated, but vaccination rates in a lot of other countries are significantly lower. And so having an awareness about, you know, how other countries are faring and and frankly, if they're ready for travel to return. I know that, you know, in Venice, their locals there are not happy that the cruise ships have returned, both the, the big cruise ships. And so I think in the coming years, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of policy work that's done around over tourism to some of these incredibly popular destinations. And I'm hoping some of what, what we've seen kind of come out of the pandemic will stick, like timed entry into museums. If I have more time, you know, without a huge crowd around me, I, great, let's keep it, let's keep it going. Hi, this is Caleb Clark, executive producer of California Groundbreakers Podcasts. We're working on more episodes of This Changes Everything, literally as I speak, but putting them together takes a fair amount of time and money. If you like what you're hearing in this episode and you want to hear more of them, you can help us in two ways. First, consider being a Groundbreaker supporter right now by making a podcast creation donation. Click on the Support California Groundbreakers box on the right-hand side of our podcast page on SoundCloud. That's at soundcloud.com slash Groundbreakers, Or click on the Donate tab of our homepage of our website at californiagroundbreakers.org. And if you have questions to ask about how California will change in post-pandemic times, or you want to suggest a topic to cover, or an expert to interview for an episode of This Changes Everything, Email us at info at californiagroundbreakers.org and give us a few details so we can get in touch. Thanks for lending us your ears and giving us your support as well. So on that note about international travel, uh, you had mentioned, I think you had mentioned uh, people are looking at, you know, next year, 2022. And um, and obviously they're, they're starting to go out now, as you said, Julia, to uh, places like Europe. Um, what about 
What about a travel going to those places? Like, for example, planes. I just read that United Airlines has just a planning to buy, you know, tons of planes. They're betting on people getting on the planes. Uh, but and on the other hand, like you had mentioned, Julia, we have people getting on planes and they're knocking flight attendants' teeth out. So I'm <laughs> my question about that is how will will customer service on planes and how we um, are treated on planes, you know, and treat each other on planes going to be any different uh, now? For example, you know, just getting on board, will we need vaccine passports? Is that still TBD? Um, are airlines seeing the need to compete with each other to get us back on board? Or they don't need to because we're it's like whatever, whoever has the cheapest fare we're going to, you know, do. So just what you're seeing as, um, as editors, and then just, you know, maybe if you're being marketed to as, as, um, travelers who are, you know, planning your international trips, what are you thinking about plane travel? Uh, uh, if it's going to change in any way, Hugh, how about you start with that? Um, you know, just in terms of what I'm being um, pitched, uh, I'm getting pitched, uh, a lot of um, uh, smaller um, airlines um, that are, you know, sort of Western-based that offer a more, uh, you know, a less, let's say, less crowded experience just by the, uh, you know, the, the number of fewer seats on uh, planes that otherwise would be considered private in, in, in size. Um, and so uh, those really are, that's a narrative that I'm seeing, but it goes, that's that's really targeted at the at the affluent. Um, not everyone can afford that. So if you can afford that, you can avoid some of uh, some of those que open questions about how it's all going to shake out. There is an incredible diversity of experiences in air world, as we always know, and 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 that continues to be the case uh, right now. Um, I've taken two small trips, so you know, anecdotally, um, in the past month, um, and they were. Four weeks apart, and I the first flight, uh, I noticed a um, sort of an exuberance and a gratitude amongst the um, the flyers, and just to, kind of talking with people at the line for the uh, you know the Uber pickup or whatnot. Um, many first time business travelers returning to their old routes, but just kind of looking around, stunned, like they they, they hadn't done it. They'd lost their you know they'd lost their uh, the, their 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 habits and they didn't they were it was almost like they were first time flyers and and, and they they were for for the first time in a year plus and then a month later I noticed it was like everyone was over it um and everyone was there was everyone was a little more cranky and they were feeling the pinch um they were feeling the pinch of the masks they were feeling the pinch of everyone returning to travel um summer had begun and I was kind of blown away by how there it felt normal in a way that the old petty frustrations had returned they just happened to be wearing a mask and i just didn't know i you know, i have doubts as to whether whether there will be much different like i i just kind of i can't it's again not knowing what's going to happen with the variants or what's going to happen with rules and there's the international layers and uh, passports etc those questions I, I i can't speak to but just in terms of what i'm seeing the stomach people's just sort of the anecdotal behavior is that people just want it to be normal again and they are going to get there as fast as they can regardless of how they feel you know i think there'll be a lot of a lot of people with caution but i think right now they're outnumbered by everyone who just wants to get where they want to go that's that's my take on it julie what's your take 
uh, during the pandemic, you know, a lot of airlines had to significantly cut routes and flights and uh, they're, you know, they gave up spaces in a lot of airports. And so you're starting to see like United's news this week that they're, you know, kind of doubling down on on a return to to air travel, you know, whether or not it gets to 2019 levels in 2022 or 2024, I'll leave that to the analysts. But I think that, you know, I, I am seeing a lot of the sort of smaller, the JSX uh, semi-private airlines. Again, that that is definitely for an affluent audience. I also saw something today from La Compagnie, which is, a again, an, an all-premium uh small plane that flies between New York and Paris, but there are also some budget, you know, there was a Vela that just launched, uh, in the, in the midst of the pandemic. So the, I mean, the airspace is always fascinating and there are people who study it far more closely than I do, but I do think that you'll start to see there'll be more airlift into smaller destinations. I know there's a lot more now into Santa Barbara, more into the Keys and Florida than there was before, I think. Um, but what, how travelers are going to behave, I don't know. I don't know. I know that the airlines have an uphill battle with business travel because, you know, that, that, that made up their, their profits for so many years. And unless business travel returns in terms of buying those business and first-class seats, that's going to be very disruptive to to their business model. So it'll be interesting to to see how that shakes out for, you know, the the leisure traveler who who's flying coach. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. So I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, the first one is on cruises. And I asked this for my parents because they had five cruises booked for 2020 and obviously they couldn't go. And they would love to go, but they're not sure if it's worth it. Will they have to be masked? Will there be buffets? Uh, what have you. Um, so Julia, what are, what are your predictions for the cruise industry? Is it going to come back and are they going to look different? Are you seeing any, any changes in the cruise industry? Yeah, it sounds like your parents are cruisies as we call they them. Are. Yes. Cruisies. And <laughs> cruisies got a cruise. Um, I, I think that, you know, we've written extensively about river cruises, you know, the, the sort of smaller, smaller ships that ply a lot of the European rivers, also some in, in Asia. And I know that they are seeing record bookings for 2022, 2023. They've extended the length of some of their trips. So I know there's one that I think it's AMA Waterways is doing like the seven rivers, um, AMA or Tauk or Viking, these, these river cruise companies. They know that people like your folks have missed out on so many trips in the last year. Or so they're kind of building these uh, sort of over the top once in a lifetime itineraries uh, that they've gotten a fair amount of interest in from from travelers. In terms of the the bigger ocean liners and and bigger cruises, I think you know there's been a battle down in Florida with um, mask mandates on board and and vaccine mandates. And again, I think that is, it's just going to be very interesting to watch because these cruise companies, 
you know, they're, they're not as bound to, to specific nations in a way as, as other, you know, as hotels or, or, you know, places that are fixed. And so it's going to be very interesting to watch a, how quickly consumers, travelers come back, but I think we'll be surprised by how quickly they do return. But then the other interesting thing is just sort of how, how governments and, and, you know, local municipalities will, will play with some of the bigger cruise lines. Um, Because while, while the smaller ports need them for economic success, you know, I know that there's also this, it's, it's, again, it's this double-edged sword that we've been facing, I think, for the last 18 months of, yes, the economy needs to open up so that we can we can work, people can work, people can have their livelihoods. Uh, but in some of these ports where vaccination rates are so low, I, as a, you know, I'm putting on a public health professional hat, which I have no business doing, it, it gives me pause. And I want to ask about uh, the working from home situation, because that, at least for the past uh, dozen or so episodes we've done on in this uh, post-pandemic California, working from home has changed everything. And I'm assuming it's going to, it is changing travel in, in many ways. Uh, I think I read that Airbnb has a has a new or at least a more focused pitch on working nomads and, and how they travel. So from what you're seeing, both of you, in terms of how people now are working more from home, how is that affecting the way they travel, where they travel, you know, how they do it? Hugh, what are you seeing with, uh, with I guess, working working nomads? Is that a, is that a trend in travel? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think we're all we were all, you know, practicing work being working nomads, you know, sort of the sort of fixed in place, shelter in place nomads, stuck wherever we were, um, and and you know, and and really learned how efficient we um, could be um, in a, I would say a a non commuting um, uh, situation, which was uh, you know, in terms of um, hours and productivity, um, you know, a boon for uh, uh, employers and also a boon for um, people who can make the most of the increased um, time and their quality of life for, for other activities. And um, that, I think we sort of, we, as we are so proved ourselves to be adaptable to that, I think we, we, it's hard to unlearn those efficiencies and it's hard to not start applying them to how you're going to uh, plan a trip. And, and just again, just from um, being on the road, you know, on all of these, um, of all these road trips throughout California over the past year, there wasn't ever, never did I see someone not working near me in a way that was extremely natural to them. And it was integrated and it was not seen as a ruining of the vacation, right? So maybe uh, one spouse um, or partner would be in the pool and the other would be on a Zoom call, um, walking around the fitness center, um, doing business at the highest level while their partner was, you know, having fun in the sun. And it was not, um, uh, and no one would, no one took offense at this bubble of travel being, or this vacation fantasy being popped by the intrusion of work. Um, so there's a fluidity there um, that is, uh, I absolutely observed, um, that I've practiced on my own, uh, having, being, literally being on vacation in an Airbnb right now, um, <laughs> you know, grateful to be having this professional conversation and bring my experience to bear um, on this. Um, it's absolutely, uh, I, I, to me, it's here to stay. I don't see how, you know, for, again, those um, uh, 
uh, fortunate enough to be able to call the shots on where they work from. Um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely, um, I think, uh, it's, we're going to carry this one with us going forward. And Julia, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I started seeing even more kitted out sprinters, you know, back in April, I want to say of 2020 up in Point Reyes. I, I do think that, you know, the digital nomad sort of trend, it, you know, it is important to remember and he said this, that it it's not everybody. I mean, essential workers are not doing this. They, they're still showing up to, to places every day. And I was drive when I was driving to the Ritz in San Francisco the other week, it is really interesting to see what our downtown looks like right now, because it is devoid of most of those office workers. Um, I have you know, former colleagues who've bounced between Aruba and Belize and have really just embraced the fact that they can be wherever. And it, it has been interesting just in terms of hiring uh, for afar, staffing up, like it, it does free you. It's, it is liberating when you don't, you don't need to find somebody in the Bay Area or in New York. And so I think, again, it's just going to be one of those really interesting things to watch, like how does it sort of evolve over time? And from what I'm reading, you know, people, there, there is, um, despite what you might think, a lot of people do want to go back to the office. I thought, oh, Jeannie's out of the bottle. Nobody's, nobody who, who has a choice will ever want to go back. But turns out a lot of people miss that in-person kind of collegial atmosphere with their colleagues. So it's going to be very interesting to watch real estate in midtown Manhattan and downtown San Francisco in in the next year to see how it all shakes out. My last question for you, since I I feel I have two travel experts, I I have to ask about um, planning a vacation this summer, getting a last minute deal, um, any advice. This ties into, I think I just read about this topic in the New York Times today, uh, they were suggesting go to places like cities, you know, downtown San Francisco, downtown LA. They they need they need our assistance and our financial help. So uh, I haven't been to San Francisco in a year and a half. So I guess it's time for me to go. But other, I I feel like eventually, well, the world is our oyster in some ways, and maybe not right now. But I I would love to go. Uh, after downtown San Francisco, I would love to go anywhere. I'm just very excited about traveling. So any, I don't know about hidden gems or the words, but are there a couple places that maybe you personally are, you can't wait to visit or you have not yet visited and this is, you know, you're planning what, where should I go based on your recommendations? And are you going to be driving or flying? I, how about one of each? If you've got a if you got a uh, a destination by car or train, destination by boat, plane, I'm 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 feeling more adventurous. So how about a how about like a, a California one and maybe one outside of our state borders? I'll take the California one. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I absolutely think that uh, you know in terms of getting the last minute deals, that might be kind of hard right now. Um, apart from this urban center. Uh, uh, hack that you've already figured out. I don't need to tell you that one. But um, I would say that if you were, I mean, uh, you know, if you happen to be, uh, have being able to flex the digital nomad muscle a little bit, I would say wait until September when kids are back in school, because that really, we do know that that's happening to, that that's, that is, that is predictable. 
Um, I think the roads will be, uh, you know, uh, lighter traveled. I think the bookings will be more available. Um, all I keep hearing from everyone is like August is booked. Um, so I would say, um, I would say if you can, I would say take, take a, 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 an early September, early to mid September central coast road trip. I would say if you can maybe book one of those sprinters that might be available come September that you will not be able to get right now. Um, and I would say treat, uh, you know, because I am the, you know, domestic booster, uh, by trade. Um, I would say, um, take the, take the, make the most of, um, our, our Riviera, the California Riviera and treat it as you would the Amalfi coast or, uh, you know, the Dalmatian islands and really take a look at it with the wide eyes of someone who hasn't been here before and marvel at the beauty and the diversity of the coast and of the foods that you can eat there. Um, and I think you will have a trip for the ages. That's a great suggestion. And Julia, uh, what about you? That's funny. I was going to, we're, we're hive mind a little bit. I was <laughs> going to suggest the Santa Inez Valley, which fits very nicely in the central coast, just south of Paso Robles and kind of outside of Santa Barbara. Uh, Los Olivos is a great town, obviously known for wine, but Los Alamos, which is right next to it, is my my go-to. And there's one, there are a few restaurants in California that I would drive hours for, and one of them is Bell's Los Alamos. Bell's yes. in Los Alamos. So yeah, so we'll, we'll write this yeah. story together. <laughs> so um, uh, to continue on that, if you can get in, stay at the Whitewater in Cambria on Moonstone Beach, which is a stunning redo. It's super chic. Um, and uh yes absolutely and then the uh bells people also have a, a new restaurant in los olivos um called bar la Cote, which is sort of a spanish inflected uh restaurant that i sh should be open quite soon and um we do have a feature on them in the august the forthcoming august issue uh of sunset magazine um so if they're not open yet you'll at least be able to cook the fine food um at home as you dream of uh your coming road trip um, that uh, Julie and I will join you. And everyone else, I guess, who listens to this. Yes. All right. Well, I'm, I'm planning the trip and I will list those uh, in our resource guide on the podcast. Um, and I'm I'm very excited. It's you do. Yes. You both reminded me that we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world and a place that people come from all over the world to, to, to see. Is that right? So I'm I'm very inspired and very excited uh, to get back on the road. And I want to thank you both for your time and your suggestions and your predictions about what travel, uh, how it will change and how it may not. So thanks, Julia. Thanks, Hugh. I appreciate your time. Um, keep that vacation glow going. And thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really great talking with y'all. You've been listening to California Groundbreakers, This Changes Everything, episode 15, which was recorded on June 30th, 2021. Thanks to Julia Cosgrove of Afar Media and Hugh Garvey of Sunset Publishing for joining us. Thanks to Nate Graham and Caleb Clark for recording and producing this podcast. And of course, thanks to you for listening. If you find our podcasts worth listening to in these topsy-turvy times, please make a donation and support our efforts to produce informative and inspiring conversations about what Californians should expect in the post-pandemic future. 
You can do that, as well as keep tabs on upcoming podcast episodes, events, and other information about us by going to our website, californiagroundbreakers.org.